where we talk about storytelling and role-playing games and many other associated topics. have a real big show for you today. What we're going to do is uh, talk about kids and role-playing first and then move on to something I call the Knights of Thespis. And after that, we're going to talk about romance and role-playing. But first, I wanted to give you an idea of kind of who I am and you know why I have a podcast why I should be here talking to you right now I'll give you an idea for my background let's see I was born in Atlanta Georgia in 1967 and lived here all my life except for a short time from New York and New Jersey and I really enjoyed but I had to move back to Georgia I love it so much uh, I've been writing ever since I was eight um, but I got my first paid game writing in uh, 1985 for Dragon Magazine, and my first novel, which is a genre fiction novel, was a contract novel for uh, Wraith the Oblivion. It's called uh, Sins of the Fathers. It came out from HarperCollins Press in November of 1995. Since then, I haven't had another novel published, but I've been working on several and um, still trying to get one finished. It's, it's a very difficult process. Um, I did win, I won an Origins Award for uh, Game Mastering Secret Second Edition, a section I wrote about kids and role-playing. The entire supplement won uh, that award for Best uh, Supplement of the Year. And uh, for a while, I worked for White Wolf Game Studio, uh, doing uh, work on uh, Werewolf, Mage, Wraith, and Changeling. During that time, I also wrote a vampire Bible called The Book of Nod. Um, so I have been uh, published as a fiction writer and as a game writer, but I'm just now really getting my career back on the horse, as it were. And after taking off many years to get through the uh, typical uh, life crises of getting a divorce and Moving forward, moving back and forth across the United States, and so on and so forth. And so, uh, I recently got bit by the podcasting bug. Um, listening to such wonderful podcasts as I described before uh, on the Science Fiction Podcast Network, and uh, decided to go ahead and give it a try myself. Truth be told, I've been doing podcasting uh, for a long time. Uh, back when I was a child, I would sit in my room and make mixtapes for people, for myself really, and I would do uh, DJ segments uh, uh, for each little mixtape section. So that was a lot of fun, and once I realized what this was all about, I really just had to do it. So here we are. The first section that I want to go through today on the podcast is uh, the kids in role-playing section. that I could be a kite up in the sky and ride upon the breeze and go whichever way I chance to blow 
of the things that I am constantly talking to anyone who will listen about is the fact that kids need to roleplay, and they need to be supported in this. Um, so I wanted to give you, uh, this is uh, in this particular segment of the podcast, I call it Arin and Arjun's Corner, it's sort of an inside joke, so uh, I'll explain that later, but the 10 reasons kids should roleplay. Number 10, impossible to get Nintendo thumb or PlayStation finger from rolling dice. Number 9, gives them experience in social situations they may not otherwise find themselves in. Number 8, makes boys and girls regard each other as equals in the game. All characters are created with the same set of choices offered to each player. Number 7, roleplaying encourages study of other times foreign places, and other cultures. Number six. Albert Einstein supposedly said imagination is more important than knowledge, and role-playing has as its core the the necessity to imagine. Number five. Live-action role-playing is just as exciting as football, soccer, or some other sport without all the team sports competition mentality. Number four provides another way for adults and children to interact in a manner that's good for both of them. Number three, working intuitively with such things as dice and character generation systems allows for deep understanding of the mathematics of probability and game theory. Number two, storytelling and role-playing is about understanding people, learning details, getting your point across, very valuable communication skills for children. And number one, role-playing games promote reading of all kinds. Now, there's many more reasons why kids should be encouraged to role-play, um, and one day I'll, I feel I'll find a team of sociologists, psychologists, childhood education ex- experts, etc., uh, who will finally be willing to speak out about the benefits of role-playing games and kids from an official academic standpoint. Until then, you're just going to take my word for it. In fact, I'm uh, in the process of working on a book just to that same effect. So uh, that is my kids and role-playing segment. Uh, in future segments, we're going to have interviews with children uh, who are uh, role-players and uh, also uh, more how to get your kids involved. And if you haven't uh, haven't done that, if, you, if you'd like to game with kids but uh, haven't actually had a chance yet or can't figure out how to broach the subject or get get into a situation where you can, uh, that will also be covered. And now for something completely different. Thinking back over my 30 years of role-playing experience, I have quite a number of gaming memories, both good and bad. In trying to focus on the positive, I have done a lot of thinking about what makes a good role-player so that I can both recognize good gamers and when I see them foster their creation, and support their ongoing goodness. As a result, I've decided to form a new order of gaming chivalry, what I call the Knights of Thespis. Thespis of Vicaria was the first actor. He acted in the Sacred Dionysian Theater, and on or about November 23rd of uh, the year 534 before the Common Era, he became the first actor. However, in so doing, he can also be thought of as the first live-action role-player as well. 
even though it is a bit of a stretch, and so we honor his spirit by naming the knights after him. Here's the particulars. Any gender can join. The word knight might confuse you if you are used to thinking of knights as only male, but uh, in this case, any gender is welcome. Uh, in order to join, you must swear to uphold and propagate the Good Gamers Manifesto, and that is, we believe that the purpose of role-playing games is to have fun, create wonderful stories, and make memories that will last for a lifetime. We believe it is the duty of every good gamer out there to do whatever it takes to further this purpose. Now, that's the total manifesto, um, and in addition to that, I have written something called the Code of Thespis, which is just a series of concepts and ideas uh, revolving around that, that main manifesto. Um, it's not required that you 100% agree with me, but this is stuff that I've found in the past makes a good role player, good gamer. The Code of Thespis. A good gamer is a good friend. They are always polite, courteous, and fair. A good gamer always asks, what can I do to help? Good gamers always arrive early to game sessions. They always bring a snack to share. They always stay after to help clean up. If they're going to be late, they call. If they can't make it, they let you know. Real life notwithstanding, gaming is important to a good gamer, and they make it a priority to play. A good gamer strives to seek balance between the narrative and the technical. They know that role-playing games are more about story and character and less about dice rolling and mechanics. They can play any character and make them interesting. A good gamer also knows that such things as dice and mechanics add depth to the whole experience and thus should not be ignored lightly. A good gamer shares the spotlight, always finding a way to help the story along. Good gamers pay attention to the mood of a particular game's story and try to ch their best to channel their responses to keep the mood going. Good gamers always strive to keep in-character and out-of-character knowledge and emotions separate and distinct. A good gamer strives to remember important things about another player's character such as name, ethnicity, and especially gender. A good gamer is always looking for the opportunity to teach others about role-playing and to bring new gamers into the fold. A good gamer helps educate other gamers not by preaching, but simply by being the best gamer they can be. A good gamer is always focused on the game they're playing. Finally, good players are just as responsible for making a story great as a good game master is and vice versa. If you're interested in joining the Order of the Knights of Thespis, then please send me an email to bearsgrove at gmail.com saying in that email that you uh, swear to uphold the tenets of the Gamer's Manifesto, the Good Gamer's Manifesto, and I will add you to the Knights Secret Yahoo group. I will also teach you the Secret Knights of Thespis high sign, which so you can identify yourself to other Knights of Thespis at conventions and as you walk around your daily life, and provide you with the recipe for the secret Knights of Thespis be beverage. Make love with only one.
to the part of the uh, podcast where we talk about romance and role-playing, and this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, my partner, Technomal, and I are constantly role-playing, um, and romance is a big part of the games that we play in a sort of freeform style. And uh, over time, I've noticed that it has deepened our relationship has enabled us to have a uh, really um, close understanding of how each of our mind and, and heart works. Um, so that's really been a benefit, and it's really helped out in a big way. Um, so I can't recommend uh, romance and role-playing uh, enough to you. It deepens the story, it makes it more human, and I think that uh, if you have an opportunity to add a romantic element to the game you're playing, it'll be uh, for the benefit of everybody involved. And you, know, you say to yourself, how do I go about doing this? How do I introduce a romantic theme or, or some sort of romance to my games uh, when really there are very few mechanics for it uh, in many games. Um, that's a good question. The way I answer it is to simply say you have to create an um, environment of comfort, of safety, of security in your game where it's okay to go in that direction. So what you need to do is talk to the people you play with and make sure they understand this is the direction you want to go in and see what get some feedback from them see how they uh, treat that uh, that idea because it's really important to get that comfort level down otherwise if you don't have that comfort level really everything is going to feel kind of fake or stilted um, and people are going to be inhibited from going in that direction. The second step, really, to get uh, romance into your games is you have to set the stage. And by that I mean you have to uh, get into some parts of character uh, that you might not normally get into. Uh, for example, uh, one of the things that I do a lot with characters is go into their family background um, figure out, you know, kind of who they're related to and where they stand in, in the community, um, and so on, uh, what affiliations they have. And these, this says a lot about a person. Having the most um, well-thought-out and three-dimensional character you can is a great start, but you have to ask yourself some questions about the character that you might not normally ask. For example, you know, what is my character's romantic experience? Have they had lovers in the past? Have they um, always had trouble with that? Um, what kind of sexual history do they have? Are they primarily interested in people of the opposite sex, the same sex? Um, what is their, what are their uh, likes and dislikes? You know, what does the character find attractive or interesting? Uh, 
all of these things make up, first of all, a more detailed character, which makes for a better story overall. Um, but at the same time, they also set the stage for romantic um, interactions. And the third step is to realize that romance, like just about every story, has a structure to it. Um, usually starts out with uh, meeting someone, um, moving on to towards flirtations, um, the building up of sexual tension, but also sort of running into some boundaries or some barriers to that romance so that the, the lovers have to sort of wait um, building up to a certain point uh, where sort of it gets to a crisis point where you have to make a decision as to whether you're going to go forward with the romance or not and uh, finally the culmination of the romance and the um, continuation of it the, the everyday life aspects of it and how it changes your character how it makes the story more interesting um, and how it can conceivably uh, make the story harder to, to handle I mean it, there are times when a romance if a romance ends in the course of a game there is uh, well a general loss like almost as if you had lost the character so all of these aspects make uh, romance part of your game, but also add to the depth of the story as a whole. Now you might say, why should I even bother? I mean, you know, you might be in a group of people who are all male, and uh, you're not uh, at all that way. You're not uh, homosexual, you're not bisexual, uh, and you don't want to interact with anybody that in the group that way, it's still possible for you to be interacting with a non-player character and have a romance. I mean, we're, if you're old enough to play a game in which romance has a factor, then you're old enough to be mature about it and to realize that the DM or the referee or the game master, whoever you want to call it, uh, is is not trying to come on to you as a person, but their character is. And that's a very simple thing to, to figure out. Coming up in future editions, we'll talk more about romance and all the implications of romance in gaming. Uh, and I look forward to getting into such topics as Vampire the Masquerade and romance, because there's a lot of possibilities there. Um, and some people really find vampires to be romantic and sexy. Uh, also, we'll talk about uh, alternative sexuality in uh, role-playing games and special uh, future adults-only broadcasts of the Bears Grove. Thank you for joining me here at the Bears Grove. The, today's pod-safe music has been... The song that started the podcast was Fly, Fly, Fly by Adrena Thorpe. All of these songs were found on the Podsafe Music Network, and links to their artists will be available in the show notes.
In the Kids and Gaming section, the Kite Song opened things up from the band called the Egerton Boys, famous for their wonderful Smelly Monkeys podcast. In the Knights of Thespis section, we have the song Airstream from the band G-Org, a Kentucky-based band. In the Romance section, you heard a snippet of the song Love Mission 1.0 from the, from the artist DJ A Kid. And during the outro here, the song Forest in the Morning from the composer Fumitaka Anzai. Thanks for joining us at the Bears Grove, and we welcome you back again the next time that we put out a, a podcast. Uh, who knows, we might be able to start making this more regular as I get the hang of it, and I really do appreciate the time that uh, you spend listening. I'll try to make it as enjoyable as possible. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivative, no commercial license. 